0: While You Were Folding, Episode 23, The Fast Food Rule. Hi, I'm Katherine Boucher, and you're listening to While You Were Folding. This show is my weekly excuse to talk about my favorite things. Marriage, parenting, faith, friendship, culture, what I'm reading and watching— and whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been a wife for 10 years and a mother for eight. I won't pretend to be an expert. I will introduce you to some amazing guests, ask a whole bunch of questions, invite you into the conversation, and encourage you to share what you heard while you were folding. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of this season and thank you for the gift of marriage. Philip and I just celebrated our anniversary, and I think the vocation of marriage is definitely on my heart tonight as I record this podcast. Thank you for the gift of my husband, and thank you for the gift of the sacrament of marriage. Please help us and all of those who are called to the vocation of marriage to continue to work on strengthening their communication, to lean on you when they're in a rough patch, and to always make sure that they remember that you are the source of their strength. We pray this through your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, like I said on my prayer, we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary on May 31st. And it was wonderful. And I'll get to that in a second. But I wanted to be sure and circle back. Last week, I shared about our family's summer chore chart. And we are, I think, two, maybe two and a half weeks into doing the chore chart. And the kids are totally rocking it. They are doing a great job. Um, If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go back and listen to episode 22, and I shared the actual chart itself in the show notes for episode 22, so go back and take a look at that. But we decided for our family with our young kids that it was going to work best for us to pair the kids' chores with the meals, because we will never miss a meal in this household. And since more often than not, we're home for mealtime, we thought that that made a natural marriage there for uh, making sure that the chores happen. So the kids have been doing a great job with that. But back to our anniversary. So Philip and I celebrated 10 years on May thirty first, And Philip surprised me with a trip. We got to get away for a long weekend. And at this point I need to give a special shout out to our awesome babysitter, Abby. You rock. The house was cleaner than I left it. And the kids said that they had a great time. And they, when we asked them if they missed us this morning at breakfast, Walt said, uh, kind of. (laughs) So I take that, um, in stride, I think I'm okay with that because it means that the kids had such a great time with their babysitter and felt comfortable and secure with her. So I'm totally okay with that and am not feeling at all sorry about our kids saying that he kind of missed us and was not sobbing the whole time. Um, but Philip and I had a great time. We went to Palm Springs for the weekend, and neither of us had been there before, and pardon me, that was my phone telling me that it's time for me to get ready for bed. So Philip and I cannot record for very long because we're trying to do a good job of getting to bed on time around here so that we can get enough rest so that we get up early in the morning to exercise and have prayer time, but onward. So um, neither of us had been to Palm Springs before and And those of you who are from Nebraska know very well that at this time of year, usually the mosquitoes are already in full force. And I took for granted that if you're going to the desert, there will not be bugs. There's not going to be mosquitoes because there is no water source for the bugs to multiply in. So that was awesome to get to escape from the mosquitoes. And not only that, but humidity. It was hot, 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 but it was a totally dry heat. So that was awesome. And it was beautiful. And the place where we stayed was gorgeous. And they took great care of us. And you're going to ask what we did. Well, we did the tramway lift that goes all the way up to the top of the mountain and got to eat at a beautiful restaurant up there. But other than that, that was really our only excursion. We checked out. There were a bunch of street vendors the first night that we were there, and we walked up and down and looked at the street vendors and went out to eat every evening. But otherwise, we just hung out at our villa where we were staying, and we had breakfast and lunch on the property every day. And we sat poolside, and I read a whole bunch of books. And if you've been following the podcast for any length of time, you know that reading is my love language, and it was awesome. And I actually got to start reading Harry Potter. So Philip has been bullying me for a really long time to start reading this series. And I resisted because knowing my personality, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it whole hog. And so I knew that I was going to want to read all of the books from beginning to end, and I want to read the books before I watch the movies. So I wanted to make sure I had a good amount of time. So I thought I better start. If I'm going to read the series, I'm going to start on a vacation when I can hammer out a couple. So I got through the first two books on this trip. And I don't know why I waited the 20 years that these books have been out, but wow, I have been missing out and I'm 20 years late to the Harry Potter party and I hope you all will still let me in and will allow me to geek out and talk about all of the characters and the plot twists and everything else and I am loving these books. I cannot get enough of these characters. I think it is amazing how many Christian themes are throughout these stories and the obviousness of good and evil as objective realities and how refreshing that is to see that not only in literature, but children's literature in particular. And these are not just your average books. These are very well-written stories with very highly developed characters who you either love or love to hate. And I can't get enough of it. So I gave the first one five stars. And I gave the second one four, because I have a bone to pick with JK Rowling. I felt like she just threw in a couple too many random twists and plot devices than were necessary for the Chamber of Secrets. But I'll forgive her because it's A great story. I'm really enjoying it. I'm going to start book three. I'm telling myself I have a rule that I have to read one fiction book between each Harry Potter so that I don't completely overdose on the series. So I have to start my next fiction book before I get back to Harry Potter, book number three. But so far, so good. And I keep hearing that the audiobooks are amazing. I read the paper copies of both of these. I might give the audio versions a try. I believe the narrator is Jim Dale, and I know that he's a really phenomenal narrator. So I want to hear from you. Do you think I should do the audiobook? Do you think I should read the paper copy? Do you think there's a pro or a con to either of those? I know that there are some very, very passionate Harry Potter followers out there. Also, which house do you think I would be in? I want to hear what you think. And Philip is sitting here next to me shaking his head because he thinks that this is maybe silly. I'm not sure. I can't read where he's going with this. But for the record, I think Philip would be Slytherin. No, (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) He did not appreciate that. Um, But anyway, Harry Potter, it's awesome. Sorry, I'm 20 years late to the party. Let me in. I love it, and I'm never leaving, and I'm going to totally fangirl about it from here on out. Okay, onward with the topic of today's show. Today, since Philip and I just celebrated our anniversary, we thought it would be fun to talk about one of our favorite marriage communication devices. This thing has totally been a marriage fight saver, rescuer, I don't know what you want to call it. But this thing has bailed us out from several arguments over the years. And Philip and I were never big fighters, but it was easy for us to get into a discussion or an argument and have it go on and on and on and on until we discovered the fast food rule. So let me back up a little bit. When I was pregnant with Jane, our oldest, Philip and I read a book called The Happiest Baby on the Block by pediatrician Dr. Harvey Karp, and I'll link to this book in the show notes. That book saved us in that first year of parenthood. It introduced us to the five S's and helped us to learn how to encourage our babies to not only feel secure and attached to us, but also to learn how to self-soothe and become good sleepers. Side note, this is not a... um, supposed to start a controversy on parenting methodology. The goal of this episode in particular is marriage communication. So hang with me. So we read that book during our first year of parenthood. And as Jane approached the toddler years, we read his second book, The Happiest Toddler on the Block. And one of our favorite parts of that book was when he talked about the fast food rule. And that is Dr. Karp's way of explaining how a parent can talk to a toddler when the toddler is feeling all of their big emotions and how a parent can help the toddler to quickly de-escalate and to come back down out of their crazy emotions that they tend to have. So the great news with the fast food rule is that it also works great on adults And the fast food rule, it really quickly became our favorite way to try and diffuse the situation when we found ourselves in arguments. And I think it's probably the number one go-to tool in our marriage toolkit. And so we just wanted to share about it with all of you today. So Philip is going to explain how the fast food rule works.
1: So the idea of the fast food rule is um, essentially you let the person that's more in need communicate first so if you think about it like you go to a restaurant you pull into the drive through and you're the hungry person you're the one that needs something and so you place your order and you you know you say you want your cheeseburger and your fries and your diet coke and then once you finish the Employee, the person taking your order repeats back what you heard, what what you said. So I hear you saying you want a cheeseburger and a French fry and a large diet coke. Then the person that is in need, the hungry person, confirms, yes, you're correct. Those are the things that I need. Or you know, if they didn't quite get it right, then you say, well, actually, no, I don't want pickles on my burger. You got that part wrong. Then um, from there. The employee, you know, at the fast food restaurant says, well, your total is $9, pull pull ahead or whatever. Um, and so that's kind of the, the basic principle of the fast food rule is that the person that's in need, the person that's hungry, communicates first. The person that's receiving the order, receiving the information, then repeats it back to that person. And then we move forward from there.
0: The only thing I would add to what Philip just said is that it is essential for the person receiving the order to make sure that the hungry person has completely finished their order. If you interrupt the person when they are placing the order, it's not going to go well and you're going to have to have them start over because they're going to have to repeat things and then things might devolve from there and you might get someone honking in the car behind you. So make sure the person finishes the order before you start repeating back what they said. So in toddler communication, the way it works is the toddler with all of their big feelings does not struggle with leading the conversation. They just go ahead and have a tantrum. That's their version of placing their order. And then the adult's job is to mirror back to the toddler what their emotions are And Dr. Karp says to try and shoot for their sweet spot. So he says, okay, listen to what they're saying through their tantrum and shoot for going to at about 80% intensity of what they are saying or doing. And it's important to note that when you're trying to mirror back what the toddler is doing, that when you try and apply the fast food rule to a teenager especially, you want to make sure that you're not mirroring back quite that intensely because the teen will start to feel like you're making fun of them. And the same is true for your husband or your wife. If you're going to mirror back their emotions, don't do it quite as strongly as they are. Otherwise, they're going to feel like you're making fun of them. So with the toddler and the fast food rule, the toddler has had their tantrum and your job is to mirror back their language to them. To get them to understand you, Dr. Karp says that, I don't remember which side of the brain it is, but the rational side of the brain shuts down during the toddler's tantrum. So your job is to use short, simple, caveman-like language to get the message across. Because if you try to go on these long, rational diatribes, the child you're going to lose them, especially a toddler. So I have my two-year-old having a tantrum. I reply back to them, Wow, you're mad, 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 mad. You want the ball. You want it now. This is the fast food employee equivalent of repeating back the order. So once you are done mirroring back what the toddler says, you wait for the child to pause and kind of look at you. And they take a beat to calm down. This is their way of confirming that you've got the order right. They look at you as if, yeah, you you get it. But if you got the order wrong, then they will just keep on tantruming and going berserk because they don't feel understood. But once you hit their sweet spot, once you get their attention by mirroring back how they're feeling, then with a toddler, usually you can move on to distraction or soothing with a cuddle or giving them time in by playing or... Or if it's an older child, you can explain why it's time to go or why you can't do the thing that they're wanting, etc. But Dr. Carp, I thought that this was really wise. He points out that parents naturally do a really good job of the fast food rule when the toddler is happy or they're doing something that makes them proud. So they could say something like when the toddler picks up something wow, you are so strong. That is a heavy toy. Or good climbing. You went up, up, up. What a big girl. You naturally, when you're proud of the child or they're happy, you narrate and you see what they're doing really well. And the child responds to that really well. And you'll see that if you go to a playground, you will see parents doing the fast food rule very, very naturally when their kids are happy or doing something that makes them proud.
1: So for us in our marriage, um, the way that this fast food rule works is that the hungriest person, which is the person that's upset, the person that feels that something hasn't gone as they expected or the one that feels hurt, shares first and they share what what, what feelings they're having. And the person that's receiving um, those feelings or that information or that order listens and shows that they're listening. And then once the... The person that's been hurt is done unspooling and and making sure that, you know, you, the way that the people at the fast food restaurant say, did you want anything else? That you confirm that, have you said everything that you wanted to? Is there anything else that you haven't said that you want to? Then the other person, the receiving person, can repeat back what they've heard. So what I'm hearing you say or what you're saying is that you feel hurt because, or it sounds like you're upset because such and such. So you're basically just repeating back to them what they said to show that you understood what it is that they were trying to communicate, the the hurt or the upset or the angry or whatever it is. You're just showing them that I have heard you. I see what you're saying. How does Zeke say it on that? I, there's on on what parented? There's Zeke and Millie, the, the matriarch and patriarch of the family. And Zeke goes through some counseling or something or learns how to do it. And he says to Millie, I see you. I hear you.
0: I hear you. And I see you.
1: Oh, sorry. I hear you. And I see you. And that's essentially. Or I see
0: you. And I hear you.
1: That's essentially what it is. And so you're just communicating to them that you understand. And I'm going to show you that I understand why you're upset by saying it back to you.
0: And 99.9% of the time, that is almost always enough to diffuse the situation for the person who's really upset to take a beat to hear their feelings being repeated back to them and to not be as upset as they were when they started. But sometimes if one of us is upset enough, we'll feel the need at this point to either reiterate our point or if we feel like the other person didn't quite get our order right, if they didn't express our feelings correctly back to us, then we'll tell them how we feel differently than what they said. But once the person who's upset confirms that the other person repeated back to them how they're feeling, that they say, yes, that's exactly how I'm feeling. Then it's the other person's turn to respond with their own thoughts or feelings about the situation. So the person who is upset says, this is how I'm feeling. This is how I perceived the situation. The person who hears what they're saying repeats it back to them. And then once the person who is upset confirms, yes, that's exactly how I'm feeling, then it's the other person's turn to respond with their perception of the situation. So like I said, 99.9% of our fights are resolved when the person who is upset hears their feelings being repeated back to them correctly. And when we feel understood, it's a lot harder for us to feel angry with the other person. And I would say it took us the first two years of our marriage to figure out that showing someone you understand them does not necessarily mean that you're taking responsibility for the cause of their hurt feelings. So a way that I would explain this as an example, when I was teaching, I'd come home at the end of the day. And sometimes I would either have a student that I was struggling to reach, or maybe I had a really difficult lesson plan. For those who have taught Spanish, that would be introducing the difference between the preterite and the imperfect tense. So I would come home with some sort of a problem. And after I would finish unloading the problem, explaining it to Philip, Philip tended to, in our early days of marriage and dating, he would jump into what I should do to tackle the situation, what the solution would be. And that would leave me feeling unsupported and alone.
1: Because I, I realized over time that that was like me saying, well, duh, just do this. Like, that's the solution. When in reality, Catherine just wanted to feel heard and understood. And we were watching Parks and Rec recently and if you've watched Parks and Rec, um, Ann Perkins and Chris Traeger, they are having a baby together and Chris Traeger is played by Rob Lowe who's this super energetic, 150% optimistic guy. And Ann Perkins is at the end of the, the third trimester of pregnancy. So she's saying that you know, her feet hurt, and she can't breathe, and she can't sleep, and Chris has a solution to every problem, and it makes her go crazy that, that he's like, well, I'll give you a massage, and we'll do this, and we'll do that, and then eventually somebody, I think Leslie note probably, tells him, like, she just wants to feel like you get it, and so Chris comes home then, and Anne unloads all her problems, and every, after every problem, Chris just says, that sucks, and wow, that sucks, and, and you can tell Anne feels much more supported rather than trying to problem solve and figure out what the problem is to just say, yeah, that sucks. And so for me, you know, it, it helps me because I don't have to, as I'm hearing what Catherine is telling me the problem is or what she's going through, I don't have to be trying to think of the solution in my head. Um, I can wait for her to say, hey, can you help me figure this out before I try and propose a solution. And otherwise I can just say, that's really frustrating. Uh, that doesn't sound like it went as you were expecting, or I'm sorry you're having such a bad day, or something like that. Um, and that's made a big difference for me to just be able to sit back and listen and hear her, rather than trying to multitask and problem solve in my head. And for me, as the when, when I'm frustrated, upset, angry, anything along those lines, I don't really like to talk through problem solving right on the spot. I, I do kind of more like a, I, I like to think about it over time and linger on something and think through the problem in that way. So I'm able to share a frustration or a problem that I'm having um, in our marriage or at home with the kids or at work. I'm able to share those problems without feeling like I have to be ready to workshop and talk through it right at that moment and either accept a solution that Catherine comes up with or explain why the solution that she has come up with doesn't really apply. I'm able to just share my problem. And then when I, when I need her help or I want her input, then I can say, well, what do you think I should do? I think the, this fast food rule, it makes us more empathetic because I have to step back and think like, how does she, how is she feeling? Like she's telling me this is how her day went, but how is she feeling? And It's not so much how I would feel in that scenario, and it's not like me saying, well, you should have just done this and this and this, or you should just do this and this and this, and it'll go so much easier. It's just me stepping back and thinking, here's my wife, here's what she is telling me, here's what I think she's going through, and let me make her feel understood.
0: And I would say, in the context of marriage, there is so much more of a willingness to seek out reconciliation and to end whatever the disagreement or heated conversation is about when you feel like the other person is trying their hardest to really understand how you're feeling in that moment. And once you know that that person is on your team, it's not you versus the person, it's both of you trying to come to an understanding of how each other is feeling. And you don't have to at the end, I think this is the other big component, you don't have to agree with what the other person is saying in order to understand how they are feeling. And that was another huge piece of the puzzle for us, especially well, for me, I tend to struggle with pride when Philip and I are disagreeing. I I want to be always in the right. And it was so hard for me in the early years of marriage to feel like, well, I'm not going to lose this argument. And if I show him that I understand him, that's weakness. And I instead have slowly but surely been learning No, it takes the strong wife, the strong husband to be able to step outside of themselves, look at their husband or wife in the eyes, hear exactly why they're upset, and then to have the ability to repeat back to them what it is that they're hearing to show, yes, I understand you. I may completely have a 180 perspective on what you're saying to me right now but here's what I'm hearing you say. And I might completely disagree with it. But I'm able to very sincerely show you that I understand where you're coming from, even without agreeing with you. And when you're able to do that, it's so much easier to take a breath, calm down, and once I feel understood, if I'm the person who's really upset, if Philip can show me that he can repeat back how I'm feeling, it makes the situation so much easier for me to take a breath and be able to move forward and then try to figure out how we're going to move past whatever the situation might be. Do you have anything else to add about the fast food rule or advice for couples or? Nope. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Well, definitely parents out there, check out Dr. Harvey Karp. He has a lot of great resources. The happiest baby on the block and the happiest toddler on the block were really helpful in our parenting. But as we shared today, the fast food rule in particular has been very helpful for our marriage. And this conversation has made me want to reread the toddler book because uh, Dorothy is definitely testing boundaries right now.
1: <laughs> we should write the happiest parents on the block book or the happiest the couple happiest on the block. marriage
0: on the block. Boom, <laughs> high five. Okay. That'll do it for today with Philip. But I want to hear from you. Maybe you have um, a parenting tip that you transformed into a marriage hack or something along those lines. I'd love to hear that also. I want to know how your summer's going. Do you have any tips, survival tips, or advice uh, parent to parent on ways to make the summertime better? Maybe it's how you're spending your evening or something fun that you're doing during the daytime. Something that we've been doing lately that has been a lot of fun is doing audiobooks with the kids before their afternoon naps. They know for half an hour before our afternoon nap, we all sit around the kitchen table and that's when we put on an audiobook. Right now we're listening to Henry and Bezus by Beverly Cleary. And if you get the Henry Huggins series on audiobook, I found mine on Audible. The actor, Neil Patrick Harris, narrates some of those books and they're super fun. So if you're looking for something fun to do with your kids, maybe it's a rainy day or they're feeling a little bit restless, we get out the coloring books. We also got these awesome... What are they called? Plus plus? Yep. Plus plus. We found these plus plus things at the airport on our way home. Those are the gifts that we got for the kids for um, our trip home. I'll link to those in the show notes. They're these little puzzle piece type things that the kids can build things out of. They're just awesome for keeping their little hands busy while we listen to audiobooks. So those are fun for our read-aloud time too. But share your summer hacks. I want to hear them. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram or email your feedback to podcast at katherineboucher.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe to or rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. As you've heard me say before, that is going to help the show to get in front of as many listeners as possible. Until next time, don't be afraid to begin again and share what you heard while you were folding.